and expecting Jared Gillett with Stuart Atwell as the VAR to do anything about it, to expect him to care. Like, Watkins literally had a hole ripped in his shorts so a stud could be inserted into his hole. And <laughs> Tim Sherwood here, you're listening to the Villa Podcast. Maybe one day we'll lose a game when we're actually kind of proud of this team. <laughs> maybe maybe sometime in the distant future we'll lose a game when we're not standing on the ball for the last five minutes waiting to be put out of our misery. Waiting for the ref to put us all out of our misery. Maybe, maybe we'll go away from home just once and not be so timid. And not be embarrassed. Not to be laughed at as we concede three goal kicks in the last two minutes when we're trying to win a corner not that anything would have even come from those corners as well but we couldn't even win the corner Forrest won the goal kicks they all laughed at us we trudged back out with our heads down or maybe maybe we won't be so embarrassed ending the game watching the donker trying to get the ball out of his feet just to <laughs> just to hack it back to Diego Carlos like this was happening in the last few minutes Villa ended the game with Diego Carlos playing it to Martinez they were 2-0 down away from home to Nottingham Forest and that's how we ended it like this like we are firmly put back in our place here. I mean, all oh, we were here all week. Finally, I got what I wanted. Everyone was talking about Villa, and <laughs> Jesus, don't worry, nobody will make that mistake again. <laughs> yeah, this was bad. It was called Super Sunday. I mean, it c- couldn't have been anything but Super. I mean, like Sky's build up. Obviously, maybe we shouldn't have expected anything. It featured Norwich v Blackburn preview in this game. <laughs> Jim Beglin back on Co-Coms and like I haven't heard him all year but like who is it Villa for yeah get Jim and he'll be free <laughs> Curtis Davies Karen Carney Car- on uh, in the studio it was just like well, if this was just uh, it was a bad production it was a bad production from Aston Villa I came on here looking to talk about some of the class quotes about you and I Emery and what he was talking about he does for his birthday analysing games apparently not enough it seems you know, Emery didn't deserve to celebrate his birthday. If this was what we're, <laughs> if this is what we're throwing up, and oh, it was just, it was just bad from start to finish. Yeah, you used the word timid there. Insipid was the word that was going through my head the whole second half, and we played that second half like we were two 0 up. It was, it was terrible, and for a large part of it as well, it looked like Forrest had two v ones in every defensive situation. Which is pretty strange now that I say it out loud, seeing as Forrest played with 10 defenders and we played with fucking zero attackers. And <laughs> the, the only thing that made that more irritating was that every second ad at halftime had a reworked pop song with fucking lyrics changed to shoehorn in whatever bollocks they were flogging. And the ads were every fucking 30 seconds as well. We went back to the studio so Kelly Cates could introduce the next fucking set of ads at one stage. <laughs> it only could have been more annoying if there was kids singing the songs and clapping along to it. But I can't believe I was sitting there getting annoyed at not hearing more from Curtis Davis. You know, he was asked at one stage, what do Villa need to do? And he talked about Forrest for the first half of his answer. Then he said, they need to figure out how to get the ball to Watkins. That's the fucking question you've been asked, Curtis. He just repeated the question. Maybe they should make a sub. Which sub, Curtis? This is literally what you're not asking the questions they've been asked. That's what Kelly's here for. Introducing ads and asking you questions. Answer the fucking questions. <laughs> like, what was going on today though like we're going to get into the Rossenthal award later but what the hell was happening why was every single half chance I don't want to, I don't want to make this out like we had so many chances but we had sights of goal we had touches in the box we had things that could have led to proper chances and every time we got the ball we just ballooned it over every time we'll go through them individually but it was just getting more and more infuriating as I was watching the match yeah, I mean, the Aston Villa players were getting the ball, getting under the ball slightly more than they were getting under my skin. I mean, it was it was bizarre how easily they were lofting the ball over the top, but it was also bizarre how long it took them to get the ball into the fucking position to do that. It was yeah. just a shambolic, shambolic performance in defence, build up, and then definitely in finishing. The first Forest goal. I mean, Matt Cash started this match like he meant to go on. I have to give that to him. <laughs> Like he spent the first five minutes just chasing back behind him in the space that he was leaving occupied for nothing either. It wasn't like he was giving us anything at the other side. Like not like Matt Cash leaving that space is so worth it, <laughs> you know. And and this one is an all just balling behind Matt Cash is trying to get back. 
And Alanga, like it, once again as well, he's just relying on Conza to step out and rescue him. And Alanga just seems to chuck him to the ground and looks at the back. He doesn't really even do it. He just sort of nudges him and Matt Cash goes down on his knees and takes his fucking time getting back up and back out as Conza's now doing his work. He's not pushing out. He's just standing there in the back of the defence doing nothing. And it's a pullback. It's a pullback to the fullback, Tuffalo. And like, wait, wait. We had this preview of this exact same move only a minute before, where the ball goes down, Forrest left wing, gets pulled back, gets squared. And it's actually a nice little move, but of course it's a nice move against Aston Villa. And and, and Dougie doesn't doesn't step out. He seems he seems confused as to who the ball's coming to, so he, he sort of curves his run and nobody's out far enough yet again and it's just side footed into the net. Yeah, the one, the one two's far too easy. Uh, Kamara's not tight enough. And what does Cash think Alanga is after there? I mean, how many times has Matt Cash played this himself? Knock the ball inside and go down the fucking... That's, that's Matt Cash's entire professional career. And he can't read that Alanga's going to do that as well. Yeah. And the pullback... The pullback's shite, Conan. The pullback doesn't go to the player it's gone to. It's gone to their fucking right back. They, they, you know, he wasn't playing it to Aina. Like, and Dougie has to go out. He has to be more aggressive. I mean, every professional footballer can side foot the ball into the bottom corner from 22 yards out. But the forest right back can't, if you suggest even a little bit of pressure. If, if Dougie had stood there and shouted out, forced divided by area, although Aina would have fucking skied that shot. But Dougie just watches him roll the ball into the bottom corner. It was fucking dreadful. Yeah, I, I honestly... I think Dougie could have intercepted that ball, but he... So did I. That, that, that's the thing. I'm watching Dougie turn around, see who's going to get there, realises the forest. Go out to the fucking ball, pal. And in the second goal, speaking of interceptions, Matt Cash thinks he's intercepted the ball, only to watch it skid off his shins. He had a bloody nightmare all match. And then, Kanza, I, I saw some people suggest this was an unlucky bounce, but it just looks shit. The ball's bouncing over his centre-half's head into the chest of Aruni, the, the striker for Forrest. Then everybody lets the cutback happen again. I swear to God, only... Oh, I was thinking about this. The only team worse at watching players line up at the edge of their box, unfortunately for you and me, is Ireland. <laughs> and, you know, for, for, and for a team like Aston Villa, who, who love a high line, they love to sink deep in their own box and not push out, not get any pressure onto it. And, and then the Martinez save. It's just three cock-ups, in my opinion, in this goal. This, this is emblematic of Villa away from home losing a match. This sort of goal happens. Just cock up, cock up, cock up, game over, and we're not getting back into it. Like how many times we come on here after a defeat? Thankfully, we don't come on that often anymore after defeats. But when we do, it's just something of our own making. It's it's just a mistake that could have been avoided. In this case, it's three mistakes. It culminates in Martinez, and this is a strange save because I think this was a decision. This was a decision to palm that ball down in front of him. I don't know why he's doing it. It hasn't hasn't hit off his hand in a way that. He couldn't have. He couldn't have avoided doing that. He could have palmed that away. He could have flicked it over his bar. It looked like he wanted it to bounce down in front of him, and then he seemed surprised that it bounced down in front of him and spun into his net. Yeah, it's it's terrible from Cash initially. You're right, and then the Kanza one. I mean, it looks really unlucky for Kanza, but the commentator calls it when the ball's still in the sky. He said this could bunch awkwardly because you could see what had happened to the ball. So like, you know, surely Kanza needs to be a bit more on his toes there as well. And when the ball comes back out, and the Forest fans shouted "shoot," I had a giggle. I actually said "fucking morons." Turns out the fucking moron was wearing yellow, and uh, like that that ball hasn't moved in the air. Like, no. Has he dived past it? Is he going for a camera save? And, and don't worry, I mean, I'm sure the fucking Arsenal fans will have it on camera. You know, the 14 year olds that gloat on Twitter on the odd occasion that the Yashin Trophy holder <laughs> makes a mistake. My pals. <laughs> But he's all over the place. It's a ter- it's a terrible attempt. He's trying to push it over the bar. I don't think he needs to. There's not enough power in the shot. The shot's too central for him to make such a meal of it. But the big worry here for Aston Villa is Burnley, Palace, Legia, Everton in the Cup, Brighton and Forest have all scored in the first five minutes after halftime. Saudi Arabia, Liverpool, Wolves and West Ham have all scored in the next five as well. And I know the first 10 minutes after halftime is not an uncommon time to score, but that's 10 games. Yeah. We've only played 15 if you exclude the training sessions against Hibernian. Like something is going wrong here. Are the lads getting 
fucking massages at half time or they jumping into a hot tub is martinez is martinez staying clued in and focus or is he in the fucking corner of the change room having a threesome with his yashin trophy in the golden glove we have to sort out these <laughs> collapses immediately after half time that's not right like i shouldn't have been able to read out so many teams there that's a fucking disgrace that's very sobering as well because i don't know you probably had this thought during the game before you looked into those stats and in the first half it's like oh get them in Get them into to, to the changing room. Get 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 Emery to get their hands on them. And I didn't know that's what comes after Emery gets his hands on them. Like this, the, all I was crying out for was please, please get in at one nil. And we're very lucky we get in at one nil. There was a penalty about to be given, and Awoni was blown off for offside, just about offside as well. Kanza gave away the penalty. Didn't see it again, but it looked like it was wasn't going to be overturned anyway. And like that that could have been two 0 That could have been nail in the coffin. But as it turned out, it didn't really matter. They were going to come out and score whatever way possible, no matter if three Villa players have a chance to stop it. <laughs> they, they were going to score. Yeah, and I actually we we can slag off Emery there a lot, but something else we need we need to do is is apologize to David Moyes. I was on here only last week slagging off David Moyes for thinking that he could just sit back and clip the ball over the top against Aston Villa and that would work. You know, how pathetic is David Moyes? How pathetic does he think this Aston Villa team is? Turns out David Moyes was fucking right and he probably just got unlucky. Maybe we got unlucky in that game because it turns out all you have to do is keep it tight and clip the ball over the top and we're a fucking shambles. Why are we so bad away from home? Like, why don't we just play the same way? Or, sorry, (laughs) the real question should just be why don't other teams play like that at Villa Park? What, what are they doing at Villa Park so differently? Just sit in tight, like you say, double open defence, and then like, you're going to be offside loads of times, but every so often you won't be offside, and every time that happens, it'll be a cool chance. It, 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 like, you know, I know we can all have a laugh at Emery talking about his connection with the supporters, but it, that genuinely works, because we would not play that poorly at home. We wouldn't be that slow on the ball. We wouldn't be that deliberative. We'd be passing the ball. And we'd be passing it quickly as well. Like I said before, if you've got 10 men sitting in front of you, standing on the ball is not going to get it fucking past them. Yeah. You have to have two things moving to get the defenders thinking about where the ball or where the ball is going to go next. If the ball is already moving, they're looking at the ball as well. They can't just slavishly followed her man which was so fucking simple for Nottingham Forest today we also at home would step up a lot more Forest had 10 men within 40 yards of their own goal and we had three players sitting back it was fucking stupid all right let's take a breather and we'll come back after I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door go to blue and use promo code listen to get 50 dollars off your purchase of 500 dollars or more that's code listen at blue for 50 dollars off blue code listen Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What's up, Winges? I only have one fine. Maybe I just lost the passion for this. Like how, how, how have we come away with one fine after a day like that? But does Douglas Louise get a fine for hitting a corner straight out of play at the other side of the nets? <laughs> I don't know, Conan. You're the arbiter of the fines. Yeah. I'm, ha- I'm happy for you to collect his wages this week if you want. <laughs> I think he does. I know it's, uh, it's, it's not curling the right way. It's not an out swinging and still goes out of play, but... I don't want to see a corner going out the other side, even though I'm asking you to score from corners every time you have it, or to <laughs> get it on target at least. And then 
older one I wanted to shout out. This isn't a fine, but it's probably probably a PGMOL watch that we could add to the top of the WhatsApp ranges as well. Just are we, are we not adding time on anymore? Did that just disappear halfway through the season? It seems to be twice now in Aston Villa matches where I needed more time added on. I needed more time added on, but like I expected way more time to be added on, and and they just haven't bothered doing it. Has that just have they softened on that as the season went on? Didn't say anything, didn't make an announcement. I don't know. Of course they fucking have. Gary Neville said the players don't want it, Conan. It's fucking pathetic. And everyone was talking about this will calm down. This will calm down after the you know once players start realizing it's going to be punished. But that is fucking absolute bollocks. There is, there's no way that the time, the appropriate time, has been added on. There was definitely the same amount of time wasted there. There was time wasted in stoppage time in the second half. Not that we were going to score anyway. You could be there now, and we still wouldn't have scored. But they're not adding on the time in the lead up to the injury time, and they're certainly not adding on the time that's wasted during it. I mean, there was one stage there where a the physio came on to look at after when Dean had a potential penalty appeal and. Dougie walked into the keepers and he was in the air and the keeper landed in the ground to pretend that every part of his body was in pain, was rolling on his back. The fucking physio came on and caught his socks at one stage. Like, how has he not been sent off for fucking time wasting? Like, I'm, I'm not a medical professional, but if your players are getting cramps from their socks being too tight, the answer isn't to cut holes in them. You need to cut ties with your fucking kit manager or have a fucking word with the player's parents for Molly calling their Wayne so much that they're so self-indulgent that they don't even realise how silly they look on live TV lying on the ground saying, my socky walkies are too tight. Get up, you fucking plonker. Referee, get your yellow card out, book him and add on the fucking minute. He's just wasted of everybody's life. <laughs> Somewhere in Manchester, United players were watching that game, nodding their heads, saying, see, I told you, socks, socks can be too tight. <laughs> the first WhatsApp range, has Douglas Louise never met Jared Gillis? <laughs> Jesus, I, he wasn't the only one, but like a lot of players, especially Douglas Louise, were just getting pushed to the ground and expecting Jared Gillett with Stuart Atwell as the VAR to do anything about it, to expect him to care. Like Watkins literally had a hole ripped in his shorts so a stud could be inserted into his hole. And <laughs> and Jared Gillett didn't care, he's not interested in that. What did Dougie expect? He's had this boy on numerous occasions. Yeah, I, like, I genuinely think the only foil he can see is if somebody is clipped. Like It has to be as obvious as someone just getting cut down by their ankles. That, that's it. That's all Jared Gillick can see is a foil. I'm really surprised he gave the penalty against Konza. Konza nearly got up on his back, but I'm still surprised Jared Gillick wanted to give that as a penalty because it wasn't the obvious just clip of the heels. The only fucking foil that Jared Gillick sees. But I've seen too many Aston Villa players lying on the ground. And it wasn't just Douglas Louise. Kamara was at it as well. Lying on the ground looking pleadingly up at the referee like they're in a fucking rom-com. There is no love story here. Like, you know, he's he's not he's you're not gonna win him over by lying there looking pathetically on the ground. You're not gonna by the end of this 90 minutes, you're not gonna have won him over. You're not gonna have won he's not gonna pull off your wig and go, oh my God, you are beautiful. I can't believe you've been dressed like a dork this whole time. What a waste what a waste of your natural beauty that was. This isn't the 1990s and this isn't a fucking rom-com. <laughs> The second WhatsApp one, and I wasn't the only one. Mike and John got on and touching Twitter, the Villa podcast. Same as me, had the same thought. They're asking, is Matt Cash actually right footed? You know, coming in on the ball every time was what was I picked up on. Matt Cash is supposed to be our wide player. We're, we've got enough players inside. We definitely, <laughs> definitely had enough inside. And we're, I just watching him, like, especially when we've gone behind so early as well. I'm looking at this thinking, this is exactly what Steve Cooper wants to happen. The ball get out to Matt Cash in space. Seems to be taking a while to get the ball under control. And then he's just maneuvering it back inside the pitch so we can roll it back to Konza or Kamara and put Kamara under pressure in the process as well. Very, very strange habit that he's picked up. AVFC vibes got in touch as well. They say, will he ever actually succeed in taking a fullback on? And for somebody who loves to loves to push, like once they fancy themselves as an attacker, he needs to start showing that he can take full fullbacks on. He doesn't seem to ever do it anymore. Like maybe maybe he's just you know, poisoned by the idea because we, we complained about him enough just trying to take on a fullback and failing, but he doesn't seem to be able to do that either. 
Look, I, I'm, I'm surprised Matt Cash didn't slice his hand open and put a palm print on the ball. He was so isolated in that first half. I felt sorry for Matt Cash. Like, you know, I thought he wanted somebody to talk to. Maybe it was just going to be the football because he had it so often and he was just on his own. But lads were playing him the ball when it was never on. Lads are playing him the ball when the only option he had was to come back because there was two defenders over there from Forest. But they're playing him the ball and then watching him. And he had to, he had to come fucking barreling back out towards the fullback or ba- back towards Kamara, who was just who played him the ball and then stood there and waited for Matt Cash to do so. Who do you think Matt Cash is? I know who Matt Cash thinks he is, but who do you think he is? Bubakar Kamara. He can't run past two Forest players. He can't. He can't run past one. It was. It, it, I thought it was really strange how caught adrift he was. I, I, I can't believe. I can't. I can't believe you didn't pick that up. I mean. Matt Cash had the ball and there was two Forest players in front of him and one Forest player behind him every time. It was exactly what Cooper wanted. But the Aston Villa players didn't help him out. They passed him the ball and stood and watched him instead of running back into space to receive it. McGinn, Kamara, they were all at it. I don't know. I, I thought he was a disaster. Like I thought he was a disaster defensively. I thought he was really... He was, sorry, he was... It was really bad defensively, but it was really bad in an attacking sense because he was so isolated. Yeah, but I think he could be smarter. Like he, he, he should start knowing what's happening. Like he's, he's obviously being targeted to pick up the ball in these positions. And then there was one where Bailey, Bailey puts him in. Bailey put like Bailey came on. It's like here you go. Here's everything he ever wanted. Like it's work of Leon Bailey on the right hand side, and Bailey, Bailey puts him into the box. And Matt Cash taking turns back away from the nets he spins around to get it back on his right foot into three players it was like he he needed these players around him like like he felt comforted surrounded by his old jersey bailey did that every time he had the ball diaby did that every time he had the ball <laughs> mcginn didn't have the ball zaniolo was our best attacking player today that's how fucking shite we were he was hooked at halftime Jesus, I'm surprised he lasted the halftime. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised Mad Cash lasted the 60 minutes as well, or just before it was. Uh, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. Just to clarify, Matt Cash was shite today. <laughs> I just think it's odd that we're picking on him. Oh yeah, he definitely wasn't the only shite one. And like Zaniolo, uh, you know, I, I don't want to give him this pass, but so close to like. Oh, just just almost being good but sometimes you, you need to release the ball at the right time sometimes you need to not run under the tackle or he was a prime example of what we're just talking about as well someone falling over and then lying there like the, the one as well where jesus christ he gets back well like he's alert where he has to track the fullback i think it's I, I, you know, and it just get your hand off him like you're just grabbing a fistful of his hand and then he falls over he does he does the mad target defense like he just falls on his face and lets him inside him yeah, I, and I actually watching that initially, I was like, Jesus, fair play for Niccolo for getting back there. I thought yeah. he did really well. Turns out Aina did a lot better by being able to, being able to stand up and Zaniolo's desperately trying to pull him to the ground. Strange. And that led to a really big chance as well. And luckily wow. Dominguez absolutely skied it. That, that was probably the, the best chance of the game. We'll, we'll talk about that. The, the last WhatsApp winch. Surely that's just a message to the owners from Emery. Two 0 down, away at arrivals. Substitute being made. Leander Dundonker is coming on for Douglas Louise. He's just trying to say there. Look, this is what I have. What do you expect? Like we're fifth. Like this is great, but it's not going to keep going. Have you seen who Liverpool were able to bring off the bench? Have you seen City have our hundred million pound player just sitting there in case you need him for cup games? I'm bringing on Dundonker for Louise when we need a goal. Yeah, and and you heard fucking Alan Smith. The only Villa game he's obviously watched was the West Ham game because as soon as Telemans came on as well, he started talking about the strength of our bench. It's like let's see what they bring on next. Let's 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 see what the solution is to the rest of this fucking game. To the fact that we're still two 0 down, Alan. Just wait, just wait five minutes before you start throwing around spurious nonsense like that. Just because Jamie Carragher said it last week to protect his mate. Like it's absolute bollocks. We we need we need another two or three players definitely to compete at the level that people were talking about Aston Villa before this game. You know the fact that we're bringing on Leander Den Donker, and the worst thing about that is Den Donker is the next name that we had to bring off the bench. There, he's the next biggest player on the bench today, and. That, that's like he brought on Diego Carlos. I know he tr- tried to change the system a little bit, but bringing on a centre half, we're bringing on a centre half in a game that we're two 0 down in. Yeah, we definitely need more players. We need Ramsey back. We we need we probably need another option at right back as well. Not not to keep going in on your man Matt Cash, but <laughs> we also need 
we need Duran or we need we need somebody like that. But Duran was on the right trajectory at the start of the year, and he's just not featuring at the minute. He's not he's not on the bench there at the minute. Like we need him. I've got more thoughts on that that we'll talk about in the Glen Whelan Award. But ah, we're 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 a long way short. And maybe I, I saw an article talking about Emery's job is now to manage expectation. <laughs> Consider another another accomplishment complete within record breaking time. By <laughs> Let's take a break and we're going to come back with the award categories. All these. Right, get over it. It's Aston Villa FC, not Jack Grealish FC. Get a fucking grip. <laughs> Somebody called me a wanker. Let us mourn. Somebody called me a freak. I mean, we've just gotten the news. It's devastating. We're upset. Somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter. <laughs> Do these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying, come on, get over it. It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. It's time to find out what Uncle Jimmy's really made of. Time for Auntie Barbara to step up. <laughs> Fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around the Doherty family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. The Ronnie Rosenthal Award. I've got two Nicola Zaniolo nominations here. This was before we got actual chances. Like I thought this was this was going to be the height of it. Nicola Zaniolo clearing a Matt Cash cross. Remember <laughs> Matt Cash? Cash gets it on his left foot and he crosses it in and Zaniolo just flicks it over the bar. And then look at Dean, low cross in, Zaniolo slide tackles it out of play, away from danger. <laughs> Get that boy out of here, what is going on? I mean, yeah, the header, I think he has to understand he can score from there and leave it for Watkins. It's too high for Zaniolo to get up to. And I mean, I can also equally hear myself sitting here saying, what the fuck is he playing at? Is he afraid of the ball? The, the one he slipped, I mean, we've all missed that. I mean, like, we've all ankle, ankled that towards the corner flag. We've all slipped in that situation. But I am also not the fucking golden boy of Italian football. <laughs> um, uh, look, at, look at Dean. Had a block shot. This, I was ready. I was ready to call out Austin McPhee to the corner routine to get John McGinn onto his right foot. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a lovely cross, lovely cross into the back post. And look at Dean, takes a touch of his chest. Ah, he's probably wanting a bit too much time and he, he gets blocked down. Look at Dean, if we were going to get a goal today, it was going to come from him. I'm not just talking about fantasy football. That would have been great as well. But he had a load of chances. He, he actually set up a load of what should have been goals and either him or other people were blowing it. That would have been irrelevant as well. Yeah, it's like, I think we can go after Austin McSee there because it's such a convoluted routine that ends up in the game. Crossing with his right foot isn't a good routine. And then it's a really good touch from Dean at the back post, but there's no room to take it. So, yeah. what? Well, yeah, he probably did the best that he could. Took a really good touch and spanked the ball. Unfortunately, there was three Forest players on him like there was all fucking afternoon. <laughs> What was Diaby doing with Douglas Louise's dink over the top? Uh, I thought this boy loves a volley. Watkins heads it down for Dougie and he just sits it over the top. Diaby's in behind and he just caressed it with his side foot on its onward journey. Like did this did this I should have I should have realized that this was what was going to happen with every single chance we get now. We're gonna sky everything by about fifty yards, but Diaby just passed it out of play. It was strange. Yeah, I mean, he has to shoot. We've already gotten away with two bonkers passes in this move. I mean, fucking Kamara's drill into Watkins' forehead worked out really well, but it was terrible. Dougie's pass, like, you know, if Diaby scores that, it's a great pass. It's still a strange pass from Dougie because he's asking Diaby to do a lot there, but he wasn't asking him to do that. Like, what the fuck was that about? At that stage of the move, somebody needed to spank the ball. Someone needed to take the bull by the fucking horns and do something that wasn't just float the ball into the air. Yeah. And then your boy, Nicolo Zaniolo. In fairness to you... Involved a lot, doesn't he? (laughs) About 60 seconds before this happened, you text me saying you think Zaniolo's going to score. (laughs) (laughs) He should have scored. He definitely should have scored. It's... um. 
Like Watkins just reads this so well. He waits for the defender to take it down and he comes in and takes the second ball off him and then he gets it to Diaby, cuts inside, shifts it to Zaniolo on the left. Terrible first touch and he's taken too wide and then the shot's low and saved, but it's always going to be saved where, where he takes himself and where the defender's on him. Yeah, it's it's really well worked. Diaby does brilliantly, particularly the touch by Zaniolo isn't good enough. He does well to generate power after that because the ball's fucking behind him, but he shouldn't allow the ball to go behind him. I'm really surprised he hasn't taken that first time, but obviously the most surprising thing is that the touch is absolutely dreadful. The big forest chance was Dominguez. Yeah, Zaniolo doing the my target defending, and then <laughs> <laughs> it's another cutback, and it's just did talk about blowing and things over. This was a terrible take. Like, there was nobody in front of him, nobody behind him. I don't know what went through his head. Like I can imagine that was a Villa player, fucking hell. <laughs> and then then you go back to the Villa chances. I mean. <sighs> There was a penalty shot. I don't think it was a penalty, but look at Dean played a one-two with Zaniolo, and look at Dean gets in down the byline. They plays it into Matt Cash, and they're shouting for a handball. It wasn't a handball really? That it's not even a chance. I don't even know why I wrote that down. I'm just getting angry now reading through it. <laughs> <laughs> but the biggest chance to date, I'd say, even more than the Zaniolo one from a Villa point of view, is. Ollie Watkins, I mean, like, talk about the traits that come into Aston Villa's game when things are going badly. Players missing the ball when they should be connecting with the ball. It's back. And pitching wage McGinn was back for a split second. Played that ball in over the top. Ollie Watkins, free header, misses it. Yeah, I mean, he might as well have given the goalkeeper head. He was being so kind to him there. Never mind fucking just stick your head on the ball. It was it was dreadful from Watkins. I can't believe he's missed that. It's not the first time he's missed it. The, the ball has gone across the six-yard box two or three times this season to Ollie Watkins, and he's missed the ball. It's fucking pathetic. And it is absolutely delicious from John McGinn. He was saving himself up for that one moment in the match, apparently. But <laughs> I'm not going to have a go with John McGinn too much because we're talking about Ollie Watkins here. That was absolutely diabolical and he can slap the ground all he wants after that but fucking slap the ball with your forehead pal you're a big ramrod center forward you have to connect with that i don't like i don't think i'm very happy for ollie Watkins that he's going to get loads of chances in this aston villa team but like you have to start taking chances in games you're not going to get loads of chances as well you have to be more clinical it's 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 great that he can benefit from getting chance after chance it's great that we can all laugh that he misses sitter against west ham but sometimes you're going to need to take these chances like that. That was like not, not that long into the second half, just after the 60th minute. I think that would have given us such a good platform to, to try and work back the equalizer. Like, and he's just missed the ball. You can't be doing that. Yeah, like you're talking about him, he needs to be more clinical. All he needs to do there is fall into the ball. It's an open net. The keeper's at the front post. What The ball just has to hit off Ollie Watkins and it's a goal. This isn't a case of him being one-on-one with a goalkeeper and hitting it straight at him or dragging it wide. It's him missing the ball. It's going across the six-yard box. He's in the six-yard box yeah. and he misses the ball. It hits any part of his body and it's a goal. Watkins came out for the second half. I don't know who he was, he was talking to, but I think it was an official... I, again, this should have been, in fairness, it was alarm bells ringing for me because I was wondering what had happened at half time. That he's out after 15, 20 minutes, and now he's talking to an official, and he seems to be signaling that Forest players are holding him. And it's like, oh my God, like, get <laughs> over it. Like, what are you, why is it still a topic of conversation? You just had a 15 minute break. Is this, is this the most we've came up with? Is this the best that we could do? All you talk to an official who's not going to give a fuck. He's not going to pass his message on to anybody. And yeah, it's just him coming out crying again in the second half. Sorry, who who is he going to be passing it on to if he is passing it on to anybody? Jared Gillett. Tackle's fine. Tackle's fine. <laughs> you need to keep an eye on Ollie Watkins being held. Jared, Jared Gillett would be thinking this was some sort of new English word. He wouldn't have a clue what it was. Like, oh, we don't have that down in Australia. Held. What does that mean? The only thing I'm concerned about in the football pitch is being clipped. Like what? What do you mean, Ollie Watkins is being here? I don't understand that. Ollie Watkins wasn't tripped once in that. I don't know why you're bringing this to my attention. <laughs> the Bailey balloon came back as well. Like that, that, that really annoyed me for some reason. Diaby teased it up for him. It was such a nice pass from Luca Dean. Everyone thought he was going to cross it, and he just undercuts it back to Diaby at the edge of the box. He just sort of throws it out to Bailey, and he's just. Get over the ball. He can't be doing this. Like, what is happening? What what is happening here? 
Oh, he's back. That's what's happening. The Leon Bailey we all know and love is fucking back in business. That was dreadful. Like, he, he might have well been lying on the ground. He was leaning so far back whenever he hit that. It was terrible. And, like, yeah, it was symbolic of the rest of his performance during that half. He's running into blind alleys. Really, really worrying display from somebody who's been brilliant up to this point. But like I said, whenever we were going in on Matt Cash, whenever you were going in on Matt Cash, what's the point in picking out on Leon Bailey? <sighs> Diaby had a, a what I would call a cannon shot. <laughs> it, it should have been a Leon Bailey assist. If Leon Bailey passes it inside to him, Diaby works the space. And it, like if Diaby hits that with just a smidge more power, is probably going in. It's just such a caressed, tame, like lacking in power shot. Accurate, no doubt, like a cannon shot, very accurate. But just nothing behind it. Just something to get your foot through it. You can't just be whipping everything with your instep. This came not that long after the Leon Bailey chance, and I think he was watching watching that a bit too closely, and he, so he decides to give the keeper a fucking back pass rather than risk doing whatever it was Leon ba- Bailey had done. Yeah, but in fairness, I, I was looking at that thinking, like that, like that, that's what we should have been doing 50 minutes ago. I've said this before. Why do we all start with shots that are 50 yards off target? Let's start by working the keeper, and then we'll just work incrementally away from the keeper then. We don't have to get everything into the postage stump. Just, just get a couple on target, and and then we'll we'll work from there. Yeah, get a couple on target against the fucking grease keeper. <laughs> not the grease keeper again. Not 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 grease again. <laughs> uh, and I'll look at Dean Cross and our Leon Bailey heading it over the bar. He looked at this coming in for about ten seconds, and he gets his head on it, and he heads it clean over the bar. But you know, I'm saying all this like I'm very sympathetic to Luca Dean. Our last chance of the game, Luca Dean gets in on the byline. It's amazing Pau Torres pass. He puts him in. And look at the I don't know what the fuck who the fuck he's playing this to. He just chips it back out for Forrest to go on the counter attack. <laughs> Yeah, there was another chance before that as well with, with Telemans, another Sky. I mean, it was a fucking... Ah, it was dread- like a, We struggled so hard to get it to Telemans. It was a fucking mess before yeah. Telemans decided to Sky it. And Telemans just puts the last banana skin on top of the pile and it fucking toppled over. <laughs> no, no, don't don't put that pile out, out to the trash just yet because look at Dean also Skyed one from about eight yards out. It was just sat up for him and he just ballooned it over the bar too. Yeah, yeah, like... We could sit. We could sit here all night trying to analyze why the Aston Villa players decided to kick the ball fifty yards over the top. But I've, do you do you feel like doing that? <laughs> we'll just pick a winner. Like apart from like, you can't pick Dominguez. It's, uh, that's probably the biggest chance. That's not the biggest chance. You don't think so? The ball brushed. Ollie Watkins could have blown, and the ball would have gone under the net. He was on the fucking line. Essentially, the ball's going across his face. All he had to do was exhale, and we would have scored. <laughs> Do you think from a Villa point of view it was the Ollie Watkins? <laughs> yeah, let's do the Peter Enkelman what the fuck award. I've mentioned three from the second Forest goal anyway. I mean, Cash just fading to control the ball and letting him through again. Conza letting the ball bounce over his head. I mean, Martin is doing whatever it was he was doing. But then I've got three more on top of that. Four more on top of that, actually, because I've included Luca Dean playing that ball back to absolutely no one when Pau Torres put him through. But... <laughs> Um, Kamara, double Kamara to start. Like I, I thought we were saying, oh, it's good that he does this in Europa League just to get it out of his system. Turns out he does it. Turns out he's bringing a habit out of this thing. He gets bailed out by Jared Gillette. Could never have banked on that. And I think that was the moment where Jared decided, I'm not giving any more for this shit. <laughs> Kamara's just dicking around the edge of his box and, and he falls over and Gillette somehow, for some reason, gave him a, gave him a free kick. And then Kamara on the halfway line with nobody behind him, just you know, falls into a sliding tackle, loses the ball, and Forrest go again. Yeah, the halfway line one was terrible. The the first ha- the one at the edge of the box was absolutely unforgivable stuff. I mean, this isn't the first time he's done it. I don't know why he thinks he can keep doing it. He's had a look around as the ball's coming into him as well, so he knows he knows where the Forest players are. And Christ Almighty, did we get lucky there? Because of all the refs to have let that go. I would have expected it to be Jared Gillett just to let it go in general, but also let it, he's free on goal. Yeah. The, the, the guy's at the age for a ball. Why is he blowing up? Just let him smash this into the net and then go and check it afterwards. Yeah. Like he doesn't need no need for him to blow that up. And particularly no need for him to do it because it's Jared Gillett and he's going to set out 
He's stalled now in a second by not blowing up anything. <laughs> the only other nomination I had was Matt Cash just slipping on his earth at the age of the box as well. And this is just after the second goal. Actually, just after the moment I'm talking about when Bailey plays him inside after the second goal and he cuts back into three Forest players. He recovers, gets the ball back, slips on his earth, gives it back to Forest. <laughs> there was so much of that though there was so much of Aston Villa players running around slipping running into blind alleys trying to come back out playing a shit pass Emmy Martinez got the ball again <laughs> Emmy Martinez is probably the winner though right of the what the fuck award I think it has to be I think I think Emmy Martinez is too good to have made a mistake that catastrophic he gets he gets unlucky with a ball bouncing but he's asking for trouble by doing whatever the fuck that was Let's go to the Ulick Glen Whedon take a 90th minute penalty award. We've already mentioned the subs bringing on to Donker. I'm not hating on Diego Carlos here, but I'm bringing him on for Was it Kamara that he came on for? But it seems to be, oh, well, maybe Carlos is better than the air. That's a bit depressing, isn't it? You know, maybe we can get somebody to get their head on it from a corner. And also, Carlos does seem to. You know, he definitely does dally on the ball a bit a bit longer than I'd like him to, especially when we're 2-0 down away at Forest. Can we just get it moving? Oh, absolutely. I, I thought that I thought it was a strange decision to, to bring him on to like I can understand why he was worried about Kamara at right back. He had just been rinsed by Elanga, which is a depressing enough sentence as it is. But the worst thing about that is that Elanga knocked the ball past him. It was gone about 10 yards before Kamara decided to tackle him. It's not like Kamara was anywhere near the ball. It was like Kamara had decided, I'm just going to foil him here. And at no point did he think about winning the ball because he wasn't looking at it. He was just looking at Alanga's legs to take him out. That was absolutely pathetic and I can understand why he was hooked. It was one in the first half as well with Kamara putting a sliding tackle and the fucking commentators were wetting themselves about it. Then he's wrong foot. I mean, and that that allowed him to fucking sit on the ball and then stand up and accidentally back heel it to himself, and it looked class <laughs> in in real time. But then you see it in the you see it in the replay, and it's fucking shite from Kamara. He should never have made that tackle like that, and he got very very lucky that the ball ended up at his feet. He got yeah. very very lucky they didn't just take out Alanga again. The only thing I would say about that, I, I agree, because I, I looked at it back then. It looked, <laughs> it looked way tastier in real time, and you look at it back and like, geez, that, that that's a penalty at any other time, really, the way he's, he's dove in. With any other player. With any other player. I, I think he meant the back heel. I think Kamara knows where the ball is at all times, and he just flicked that to himself, knowing that'll be in front of me now when well, I get myself up. Well, that's a great start. So now all he needs to understand is where the fucking Nottingham Forest players are as they're bearing down behind him when he's standing at the edge of his own box with the ball that he apparently knows exactly where it is. <laughs> the other one I want to talk about, and I've been keeping my eye on this now for the whole season, why is Diaby playing up top in these games? We, like, we probably already mentioned something like this, but it's, it's, it's no use to us. Like, we would definitely, and I know John Duran's not there, but we'd definitely be better with somebody like that up there. It'd be better with John McGinn playing more centrally and having Diaby. Like, I'm not saying we shouldn't play Diaby, but have him out wide. Like, have Diaby out wide. It'd be much more use. Diaby was having to go, and this was frustrating as well from our corners. Diaby's always at the edge of the box, but the way we work the corners, Diaby has to go back then to left back, and then he picks up the ball there from Emmy Mertens. And it was like, what was the what was the point of that corner routine? And what's the point of having Diaby in these positions? And he's just coming too deep. He's he's getting like Diaby wasn't good. Don't get me wrong. And, and <laughs> Emery isn't asking him to dally on the ball like he was doing today and get caught. But with Forest players around him, but I also don't feel like this is his game. Like he wants a bit of space. He wants someone to not only run into. He wants somebody to run at. But he he can't get turned in these matches. There's literally there's ten players in very tight banks queued up at the edge of the box, and and you're asking him to try and manoeuvre something there. I don't think it's going to happen. It would surely be much better with him playing out wide. Yeah, I think it would have been. I think I think Emery understood the need to get more wide players on, but in the at half time, that's why Zaniolo came off and he had to get Bailey on and we were a bit better. Cash was a lot less isolated after Bailey came on. Probably could have done something on the opposite side as well because without wishing to stray into the oh he was playing award fucking John McGinn wasn't exactly prominent in that game. He set up the best chance, but should we have just had Diaby over on the left wing at some stage in that second half? 
to try and get them involved in the game, to try and stretch for us, to try and pull them apart because it was so easy for them just to to match our box and then have a Winnie coming back as well. Yeah. They had ten Rock players. The they had ten players. They had they had Alanga doubling up with Toffolo or with Williams towards the end of that second half. They had Gibbs White and Malanga in the middle. They had Sangari next to them. They had Dominguez just to the other side of them as well. It was so it was so tight in there, and they were so intent and blocking off the space in the middle because they've seen Aston Villa play before. I'm really surprised we didn't try to stretch it a little bit, push them out a little bit wider. Whenever that was developing in the first half, I know managers don't like to make subs in the first half. So whenever that was developing, why didn't they just put the Abbey onto the wing, play Watkins up front on his own, maybe? Play Push. Big Zaniolo up front with him, like you, you, even do that. Like, yeah, but like, I, I don't, I don't think the, I don't think the answer to how we were playing today was to have more direct football. I mean, <laughs> to have another option up top alongside Ollie Watkins, I don't yeah. think that would have particularly helped. I think maybe have Zaniolo up top if we're going to then switch to a four-four-two, an actual four-four-two, and have McGinn playing left wing and Diaby playing right wing. Yeah, I thought it was strange. I thought it was strange that we didn't react to it. I thought it was strange that we persisted with whatever nonsense we were trying to do in that first half. I thought it was strange that we were will we were allowing Matt Cash to be so easily swallowed up. <laughs> do, do you know sometimes when I think of playing uh, the like of a, a big John Duran there beside Watkins, it, it isn't in the interest of direct football. It's just it's almost <laughs> like like you're sacrificing them just to free up all their people because John Duran's going to occupy defenders. He's going to occupy two of them. Probably he's going to push them back. He's just going to do dog at work and you're not going to get, like you can't really expect anything out of him, but it might free up Watkins. It might bring Diaby now into the game on the, on the wing. It's like, we, we, we can't afford to have Diaby just being sacrificed up there because he's also not bringing anything because he wants to ball his feet and then boys are just coming in and absolutely hammering him. But if he just had, John Duran backing up into people. Oh, I, I don't know. It, it just feels a bit frustrating that he hasn't... Has he even moved the Abbey around in, in any game so far this season? And he's been largely good, so he, he hasn't needed to, especially at home. But it feels like a lot of these matches, teams are just sitting back against us and the Abbey's becoming a bit more irrelevant because of it. And then he hasn't said to him, right, go you over there now to get, get into the game. And, you know, it, it just... I don't know when when players are, are that good. It's not nice to see them just not involved. Oh yeah, definitely. And I I, I know that's where your frustrations coming from. They want to get him on the ball a lot more. Um, but I I think with the players that were on the pitch, we could we could have done that. We could have definitely asked them to drift a bit more, even like to go out and get the ball. But there's so so little space in there that the answer was definitely to get the Abbey onto the wing. Yeah. Let's go to the Vyman meter. Do you have anybody going up? The linesman's flag, maybe. <laughs> well, that's a good place to start because going down is the Forest fans' understanding of football. Did they not know? <laughs> Did they not know what offside is? Like honestly, they're like Villa. A lot of embarrassing elements there to Aston Villa's performance today. But the most embarrassing thing about this whole game was the Forest fans' reaction to every offside flag. It's very simple. You're either offside or you're not. Like, well, what are they getting so incensed about? Yeah, like, did the assistant really know what offside was, Conan? To be honest, I mean, he was yeah. he was letting some go. He was flagging some when the Forest player had forty yards of grass in front of him. Grass that was pretty well fertilized by the assistant shitting himself at the idea he might have to make a decision as well as he was running up and down that line. I mean, there was one where Awoni gets through after deflects off Dougie, I think, and he's onside by about a yard. And and Dina has stopped and turned to the linesman. He's having a fucking conversation with him as he's jogging alongside him instead of looking back into the play. And the linesman throws up his flag. I mean, I can't believe that actually worked from Luca Dina. Can you imagine coming on to this podcast and absolutely murdering him because of that? Because he was miles on side, but the ref threw his flag up. It's a couple when they were another two or three when they threw on goal as well, we threw his flag up and they were offside, but I don't know. I think he was guessing a lot. And so many times he could have just let it go and seen what developed. Much like Jared Gillett in the first half as well. Strange performance. You're just reminding me of Awanyi and it's it's so disappointing because sometimes when a match is unfolding, you think, ah, oh, this would be great if we win because all I want to do is really enjoy how much a one you was offside and every time he was laughing and he was smiling and I was thinking, Jesus, if that was a Villa player, I would be livid at <laughs> You know, I don't think it's funny type of thing, but I loved it. I was like, thank you very much. Once again, a one you, you're offside and we can get the ball back. And I just wanted to sort of poke fun at him. I wanted to even poke fun at Gary O'Neill 
for losing to Sheffield United. I was wondering, is he going to go on to Sky Sports and do another masterclass of how he lost to Sheffield United? <laughs> and, and I can't do any of that. I can't enjoy any of it. I can't talk about the coats that I talked about at the start about you and I, Emery. I can't even... There, there was one thing, and we'll say this for another day when I'm feeling a bit better, but there's one thing I had written down for the Tim Sherwood where you play two number 10s and Matt Booz in the award, and it was... It was everybody just assuming that Villa must play counter-attack football. I don't even think they, they do play counter-attack football that much, but I'm happy for everybody to think that. And it's like every time Villa actually do you know, get a chance to break on a team who've pushed forward, everybody, like the co-commentators, the commentators, it's like, yeah, this is where Villa come to life now. It's like, isn't Villa slow to gain down so they can start moving you around? It's a complete opposite of counter-attack football. But look, as I say, I don't even want to really talk about that right now because I'm not feeling good about Villa's system and Villa's players. I want to talk about who's going down on the Vimin meter. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to start with Zaniolo. Your boy Zaniolo running into people constantly. He's going down. Yeah, like, like Zaniolo had another nearly performance from his perspective. I mean, I, I think I text you a while ago or maybe I even said it in the podcast he's not going to score for Aston Villa let's just get over it we still have to move on with our lives Nicolo yeah. isn't going to score a goal it's just not going to happen for him Connor. yeah Martinez is going down Watkins is going down I'm sorry to say Liam but Cash is going down <laughs> <laughs> talk about running into boys I mean Matt Cash <laughs> prime example Matt Cash, Saniolo, Leon Bailey, they were all at it. They were all running down blind alleys. It was it was incredible. It's like they like they had never seen a horror film before, Conan. What where the fuck are you going? Don't go down there, Matty. <laughs> and I actually it's classic because you remember the very last installment of the Halloween or the remix, the Halloween remix? And the like you'd think now at this stage everybody's cottoned on to the joke about somebody going into the house on their own especially <laughs> especially against Michael Myers of all people you talk about a, a stiff opposition but <laughs> three of them drive to this house and they're all there they're all going to do it together and then the guy driving says I'll go in myself and, <laughs> and not only that they let him do it they let him do it and then the one person follows him this is 2022 this is happening in. like you can't, you can't be getting away with this anymore but this is what Villa players are doing I'll go myself I'll go up against these Forest players myself it'll be fine and then when he disappears down that blind alley another Villa player says I'll go check on him myself and, <laughs> and that person is Moussa Diaby I'll go check on him but Moussa Diaby needs to wake up I mean, this man's been pounced on from every which direction in this in this blind alley, like not only running into boys, but just standing in crowded areas. He didn't expect these areas to be crowded. I don't know what he was expecting all day, but he was frustrating me. Yeah, it was frustrating. Even when Neon Bailey came on as well, he, he was. He, there was one where he got. It was one of those ones where Forrest won the goal kick, and he lines up the fullback. But I, like, which is a perfectly appropriate thing for Leon Bailey to do. You know, he's standing there, slowing him down. Fullback doesn't know where he's going to go. I know where the other fucking Forest fullback is going, though. He's going over behind the fullback, yeah. so there's no fucking two in you. Why are you waiting? This is your chance. You have to fucking go at him now. Knock it past him, do him for pace, and swing it on with your right foot. Why are you waiting for there to be two players there? Yeah, how many times do we have to tell Bailey this? Just get her, go onto your right and swing it in. <laughs> it works. It works all the time. Uh, anybody else in particular you want to highlight? I mean, the only person I'm thinking of giving a reprieve to is maybe Pau Torres. Who played the stoppage time free kick that went straight to look at Dean's cock? Fucking... I mean... <laughs> Jury Telemans, Jury Telemans came on and he wasn't that bad. At least he understood that he had to move the ball and he had yeah. to move the ball quickly. But fuck me, what was the point? Like, how oh, can you bobble one out to his dick? Like, like we, we've been dreadful all game. Fucking just swing that in, see what happens. We didn't bring on big Leander Dentonker for this. Uh, this isn't the time to start playing about a ball. Swing it in for fuck's sake. The Leander Dentonker sub is just so offensive. Yeah, and not, <laughs> not in an attacking sense. Just like, Jesus Christ. Like, the effort he takes to get the ball to Pau Torres and then he points to you, oh yeah, there's somebody free out there Like you could have played it. And then like, how laboured he is pretending to run into space down the wing as if anybody's going to give him the, space, the ball down the wing. But he'll pass it to Luca Dean and then pretend like he's going on, on, on a support room. It's just... 
I don't know. Like it's weird. Jesus, we're really short. I'm just thinking this is going to be such a long period into January now. Just so many fucking games, so many tough games, and just going to be bobbling along trying to get some recruitments in the door. <laughs> fucking hell, Conan. We lost against Nottingham Forest. We've got an unbelievable record at the city ground. We were dreadful today, and I get it. We did bring on Leander Dendonker, so that's fucking... That's dreadful. That's not a good state of affairs to be going on. And he's definitely going down. Fucking, he's going down as much as Titanic, which sank on the same day as his birthday. And he's totally turning 29. That's the only reason I know that. Well, you were shouting on there about how depressing your life's going to be watching a brilliant Aston Villa team for the next two months. I was looking up what age Leander Dendonker is. He's 28. Why the fuck is he playing like Robin Olsen, who is like a 45-year-old? Yeah, he, he runs like somebody who's done. Like, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a sorry side. Yeah, anyway, our, our bench is very weak. Just, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> like, <laughs> and the funny thing is, I was expecting. Right, like, take the man. What minute of the podcast is this? And you're shouting on about the drop off rate for so long. I wonder what it is now after that. <laughs> after the, in the middle of a sentence, you just stop speaking and sighed. <laughs> and said, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I would have been very happy with a, with a draw today. That's the thing. I, I think it's just the nature of it. I, I, I would just be happy. Imagine Villa had a conceded that shit goal at the start of the second half and then proceeded to play really well. Got a goal back, unlucky. Didn't get another goal. I just want that to happen once or twice and I feel better. Like... Like I said to you after the Wolves match, it's like we're not going to win every game. It's fine. So I, I was thinking, ah, like a draw here will be grand, and then we'll win the next three games, which includes a win against Spurs. That'll be class. But oh, it's just the nature of it. It's just it's hard to sort of see past it. Yeah, we're definitely not going to beat teams like Wolves if we're taking their fucking shitbag subs like Leander Dendonker. <laughs> <laughs> Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Should we be happy that Newcastle have gained ground on us, but Arsenal haven't gotten away from us? <laughs> what would you have preferred there? Would you have preferred to stay ahead of Newcastle but lose sight of Arsenal? Or this this scenario now where we're we're sitting exactly where we were, but it's getting a lot hotter behind us. I I think given the conversation we've just had there, I think I think we need things to go go well behind us. I think that's that's the key. I don't, I don't think we're not going to finish ahead of Arsenal. Arsenal are really really good, which is really really frustrating. I think I think we need to try to stay ahead of the teams that might come, the teams that could just put a run together. And maybe it is only a Saudi Arabia that we should really be properly worried about. But you're looking at that fifth place in the Champions League and thinking, fucking hell, what an opportunity this is. We have to. We desperately have to try and stay ahead of Saudi Arabia. I don't think we need to get too ambitious and try to push for the top four just yet. We're not. We're not at that stage of our progression, Conan, that we should be crying about Arsenal. Arsenal pulling away for us. We haven't caught them yet. <laughs> yeah, we're, I I would say it's definitely only Saudi Arabia. For some reason, I keep thinking maybe Chelsea, but I think I need to give up on that. It's like Chelsea. If they are going to come good, it's going to be very late in the season. Chelsea are thirteenth, Conan. Yeah, that's and and they're so far back as well. I can't believe how high up United are in the league, and I can't believe they won again. Like they were, they're such a mess. I'm really not worried about them. I, I'm not worried about United. But in terms of like if Aston Villa really want to come fifth, I'm, I'm not worried about United catching up that far. But it it is Newcastle. Like if Villa are going to stay ahead of Newcastle, they're going to finish ahead of United. That that's that's. The reality. <laughs> I can- United are United are limping over the line against fucking Fulham, against Copenhagen, Sheffield United, Brentford. It's really annoying that they won those those three those three games in the Premier League. They got nine points from games they deserve nothing from. Yeah. But United are shite for fuck's sake. Anthony plays in the wing for them. Hoyland hasn't scored in ten games in England. What the fuck is it? They cost seventy million. <laughs> Anthony cost ninety million, and honestly, if like the only thing that he's done. Is spin around on the ball. That's the most memorable contribution he's made to this Man United team. Yeah. Yeah. He, he slapped Jeremy Docky's arms there when he came on. He gets it. He like you would think that's funny. You think yeah, that, he, oh. he slapped his arms because he got fucking rinsed and got oh. made a fucking mug of. And then he did it again yesterday. 
He did it again when he went flying out to a guy who had just taken the ball off him so fucking easily. It's unbelievably easy to take the ball off this lad unless he's rolling it back to his right back. But then you just go after Armand Bissaka and take it off him instead. But it, he, he, he lost the ball, so then he goes flying in and slides past a fullback who's just dinking the ball up over his oncoming tackle as he goes sliding into the Hordens. And the best thing that Eric Ten Hag has done, as he said to him, what the fuck are you doing as he's lying on the ground there? But like, what, do you, what are you, he wants Anthony to stand the man up. Like, <laughs> let him slide in. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I was really surprised at with United was that Mason Mount didn't start after he, he walked around and applauded the Old Trafford crowd to stay behind after the Man City defeat. <laughs> Jesus, I've like I've never seen somebody play so badly and get so much adoration for being the one player to front up. Like of all the stuff that United fans try to prescribe as a real problem, that attitude there is the real problem. You know, just he like lionizing somebody who walked around a pitch and clapped, clapped a blur that he's seeing because he's all he can see in front of him is his bleak future. Well, that's. <laughs> Well, that's more than he did during the game, because all he did during the game was walk around the pitch. At least he added clapping to it this time. <laughs> anyway, we'll leave it there. We had a bad day, but we'll go again, and we'll, I don't know, Well, I was going to say we'll bounce back against AZ Alkmaar. Hopefully we get that job done, and then we'll be ready to rock again at the weekend. I haven't called in, as you'll notice, my fantasy football once a month question but I think I'm going to save it. I've got a triple Aston Villa question to ask you but maybe I'll, I'll save it for Thursday night so there's a plug for Thursday night's podcast if people want to get on board then. Um, we'll talk about how we're going to fix our fantasy team ahead of the weekend's match. Fucking drop off right to be starting before the <laughs> podcast starts. Thanks a million for listening and we'll see you on Thursday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.